break free from the shackles of pressure to enhance your performance, relationships, and well-being. This is, I guess, the byline, if you will, of the Pressure Project, which is a company created by Adam Sellers up on the Sunshine Coast. So Adam is an amazing free diver. He is hosting workshops, speaking events, retreats to teach people the power of the breath and free diving, using free diving as a vehicle also to help to spread this message. And I stumbled across an ad for a retreat that he's running that's meditation and free diving. So of course, two things that are super uh, important to me across my life and so I sent him a message straight away and I said I checked out his stuff and I said do you want to do a podcast I'd love to have you on the show and talk about uh, everything that you're doing and so here we are this was just four or five days later we connected and recorded this episode so to me this is super powerful stuff obviously in the Access Potential Academy the first complete module is what I've called energy generation and it has six pillars and breath perception and nourishment are the first three so this concept of um, perceiving our environment the stresses in our environment and understanding what's really happening uh, linking up with conscious breath or awareness of breath uh, obviously ties in really well with some of the stuff that he's doing and and he's truly kind of leading this area which is super cool so without further ado i'm going to start it up i hope you enjoy if you can think of anyone else who might be interested in this and as adam mentions in the episode everyone's a candidate for this because we all breathe and we're all facing a lot of the pressures of modern day society and the culture and our work and relationships so feel free to pass it along if you got any questions on this one send them to john at johntmarsh.com and I'll address them on one of the future episodes. This is John Marsh, and you're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. Adam Sellers on the episode. Uh, Super excited, Adam. So how's everything going for you? Yeah, great, mate. Um, the Pressure Project's going really well. Um, obviously, a lot of freediving courses and retreats and things, but um, also just spreading the word on how to deal with stress and pressure through uh, lessons from the deep on one breath. Yeah, beautiful. So super excited to get into a lot of that stuff. Um, I literally came across your stuff completely by chance as you find yourself looking through Instagram and stuff like that, at some point your, um, your free diving meditation retreat popped up. And these are two things that I've been, you know, kind of interested in or passionate about or, or done for quite a while. And so obviously it strikes a chord straight on my like, what's he doing? This is really cool. Um, so maybe if we just go over to you, if you could just give us a introduction, a bit of a, rundown on uh your background what you do um where you're located all that sort of good stuff yeah sure uh, so i live on the sunshine coast um and at the time where i came across free diving I, I really wasn't dealing with life all that well i was in corporate world which is just full of deadlines and and a lot of pressure and stress put on you um had a young family and so at the time, I just really wasn't coping with the pressures of life. 
And I just happened to have a friend of mine who was a keen spear fisherman kind of take me out when I was really in the grips of depression um, where, you know, I didn't really want to get out of bed. Everything felt like climbing Everest. Um, and so he kind of pulled past my place and said, you want to try spearfishing out? And I said, oh, yeah, what's involved with that? And he's like, well, you dive down on one breath and you shoot fish in the face. I was like, okay, I'll give this a crack. Um, and so I went out into the middle of the ocean and, and I always loved the water and was a keen surfer. But this was a bit different, you know. This is open ocean, um, a long way from shore. And, you know, I'd never, what I realised, I'd never really been that far out into the open ocean and, and he just got in his gear and went. And, uh, you know, I had that moment where I put all this gear on. I really didn't know how to use this spear gun. And I stood there and I was looking at how far away the land was and I was looking down, I was like, I'm pretty sure sharks live here. So there was that moment of kind of fear before getting in. And um, I eventually plonked in and um, started to explore. I went quickly got towards him because I just, for some reason, I thought if I'm next to him, I'll be safe. Um, but, you know, I, I was only getting to probably about 10 metres and I was watching him get to 20 and level out and, you know, chase fish in the caves and all the rest of it. And I thought, that's a bit of me. But what I found over this, I suppose, couple of hours was I was back to me. I was back to the Adam that I knew. And, you know, it was this uniquely wild place. I mean, the ocean is still uniquely wild. I mean, even when we go to Africa and we're, you know, going to look at lions, we're in a, we're in a car Someone's got a shotgun. Everything's all safe, right? We're used to just being safe as humans. But this is kind of like the ocean is just uniquely wild and it's so different. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but I, I, it was that presence um, because it is, you know, it's not uniquely our kind of environment. And so it was just that a whole new world, being on one breath, the silence that comes with being in the ocean as well. Mm. Um, but also it just kind of forces you to be present, being in the ocean and, and being on one breath. So then I just wanted more. I just went, I need to get into this free diving and, and, and went to some courses in Bali. And <clears throat> I suppose I'll share with you, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I went to this, this course, this free diving course, and our instructor was from Slovenia. And his name was Vid, very important dude, apparently. And um, he leads out the course with, what's the difference between scuba diving and free diving? And, you know, I, I kind of put up my hand. I thought I consider myself moderately intelligent. I'll have a crack at this one. Mm. I was like, scuba diving, you go down, you've got tanks, you can breathe and stuff. Free diving is just one breath and you go. And he's like, yes, Adam, but what's the real difference? And I was like, oh, I'm out. I thought I nailed that one. And um, anyway, he moves on to say, you know, in scuba diving, you go down, you level out, you look at the pretty fish. It's like in free diving, you go within. And, you know, I'm from North Queensland originally. We don't go within a lot up there. <laughs> so I was kind of like, if I stumbled across a yoga meditation retreat, I just want to dive deep and stuff. Let's get to that point. But over the journey, I, I obviously have come to know what he was trying to get across to us. So that's where it all began. Yeah, cool. So just just quickly, how how old were you? How long ago was that introduction? When did it sort of pick off in your life? 
it was only about four years ago. Yeah. So my last four years has been um, frenetic around the freediving world. I just wanted more and more and started to discover this power of breath um, and what it can do for us. Um, within a couple of years, represented Australia in freediving. But more importantly, what it was was this looking at this kind of juxtaposition of what pressure is mm. and you know, when you sink into the ocean, you are quite literally, you're being crushed by the pressure of the ocean. And, and there's just no room for stress, either before or during. Um, you know, potentially it's not good for you if you let kind of your thoughts control your stress control, uh, what you're doing in a deep dive. So then I just started looking at, you know, how I had been coping with the pressures or the stress of life on land. And whether that was real pressure or whether it was kind of self-imposed pressure mm. um, and, and started to kind of look at that and started, and that's now where the pressure project is heading is kind of giving people, I mean, freediving is that vehicle, you know, mm. exposing them to what real pressure actually feels like being on one breath in the ocean. And uh, yeah, so that's the direction now. Yeah, it's cool. And, you know, a lot of it resonates. I'm going back to New Zealand in September. <coughs> try to get back there a lot. Uh, Dad and I do a lot of spear fishing, And there's definitely something that's uh, difficult to put into words, but there's definitely this this feeling that's, that's very uh, almost healing. But when the mind can be busy, you know, when things are stacking up, even just to get in the water, you know, just to get back in there. Um, and then obviously through the free diving as well. Uh, I'm interested, you know, you've also spoken about, or I've seen um, obviously the mindfulness meditation coming up as well. Did this come in coincide or did you, was it part of the free dive culture that you picked up on this as well? Or how did this, how's, how was this introduced to your life? Yeah. So free diving is a great sport in the fact that, um, a couple of different areas freediving kind of looked at and went, that would really help us. Mm. One was yoga because of the flexibility it gives you around the rib cage or thoracic region, which means you can get more breath in. And then what came with the yoga is they started looking at meditation. So unlike a lot of other sports, freediving just kind of went, I'll have you, <laughs> we'll have yoga. We'll now put that in textbooks. That's now a part of freediving um, and meditation. So not everyone in the freediving community um, goes down the meditation route, but I definitely uh, always had a, a keen interest in it. And I can see some of the really top athletes use meditation. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I really try and simplify it for people because people kind of get this, this uh, notion that you have to be able to clear your mind and you have to be able to not think about stuff. Mm. which is not the case. Um, you know, in the yoga world, they talk about the fact that we have a monkey mind. So we basically have like this monkey in our mind. It's running around and it's like, blah, 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 banana, blah, blah, banana. And bananas are just the thoughts. And so in the meditation world, which came from yoga, they, they say it's not about not thinking. It's just about distracting that monkey for periods of time by focusing on your breath or focusing on sounds in your environment or doing body scans, all these type of things. And something that freedivers have really done well. Now they usually use the power of the breath on the surface. So they're basically just focusing what they're doing breath wise, whether it's counting in and counting out 
or that their body and mind connection has just got so strong over years of free diving um, that that connection is so strong. So when they lay back on the surface of the ocean and they might be about to do an 80 meter dive, their body just goes like, oh yeah, we know this. This is our relaxed state. Um, and you know, the last competition I went to, we had these American doctors and um, you know, they were, they were testing us before we went in and after our heart rate and our oxygen saturation, all this sort of stuff. And something I learned that I didn't know, like I knew that closing down the eyes and diaphragmatically breathing and kind of lengthening your exhale out, just, you know, as in a freediving sense, you just became so relaxed. I didn't really know the science behind it. And he let me in on something called the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is the longest nerve in the human body. <clears throat> and it's responsible for putting us into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our you know, rest, digest and regenerate the system that we should be in most of the time, but we're really not. Mm. Um, and so, you know, what I found through that was that puts us into that system and it's so simple, but we're just never taught that, you know, the other system is that sympathetic nervous system, which is that stress zone, which unfortunately a lot of us live in, you know, heart rate goes through the roof. It, it literally um, stalls our digestion. Um, it inhibits our um, immune system as well. So that's really not a good system to be in for long periods of time. Um, and, you know, what science and doctors have kind of not really uh, or didn't think at one point you could regulate your own nervous system. You know, they thought as a part of the autonomic nervous system, you, if you were stressed, you were stressed until, you know, eventually you would get out of it or they go down the kind of medicate route. Um, but what we now know, and especially through the studies of freediving, what we know as freedivers is you can regulate your nervous system and you can get from that sympathetic stress zone to your parasympathetic nervous system as easy as simply closing the eyes firstly. Mm. So closing the eyes is very significant. When you sit for meditation or whether you're out in the ocean about to do a freedive, when you close your eyes, the simple thing of closing your eyes signals to your brain that you're safe. Yeah, because if you're under attack or you're actually in some kind of danger, you would never close your eyes. Yeah. In fact, you do quite the opposite, yeah? Um, so closing down the eyes signals that we're safe. Diaphragmatically breathing, so breathing with the belly, through your nose, which is the best method, and lengthening the exhale within about three to five minutes can get you into that parasympathetic nervous system. Now, it's super powerful. You know, but what we do in our everyday life, whether it's work or wherever in our home life, is we just, we get into that stress zone and then we just never really get out and we just live there. And it's really bad for our health. And getting back to the immune, how it suppresses the immune system, I mean, you've only got to look at when surgeons are, are putting an organ or, or transplanting an organ into someone. Generally, the only way they can do that is they actually inject um, the person with stress hormones so that the immune system is suppressed and the body will actually accept that organ in. Mm. Otherwise, if the immune system is working well, it'll just attack that organ. So you think of that from a, you know, a 24-7 life of stress and what that's doing to us by consistently suppressing the immune system. Um, that's a recipe for ill health. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to dive into that. Um a lot deeper as well. My, my, 
Uh, first question quickly is kind of like, you know, this, this concept, obviously you're talking about stress and perception of environment and, and the physiological responses. And I think this is so huge and such a rich conversation. Um, it started like, you, you know, you were into this thing, this free diving and the sports side of it. And from what I understand, like a lot of work with, you know, big wave or surfers or photographers or underwater um, people who are focused in that area. Is that still kind of like, you know, when you think of the who's it for, the person that you're really working with at, at the pressure project, is that still the main focus? Or are you seeing such a powerful shift in this other area that that's kind of like the, the main driver now? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's just like everyone is a candidate for this, mm. you know, especially in our Western world, our Western culture. We are just, um, we're so future thinking with everything. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in my courses, I quite often just say to people like, who's ever felt, sorry, who's ever felt like they're not doing enough or they're not enough? Um, and, you know, everyone puts their hand up. And, you know, we're never really happy with where, we're at, where we are. You know, the, you know, social media is good in some ways, but then in others, we're kind of the keeping up with the Joneses used mm. to be, you look next door and they, they got a new clue and you're like, oh, maybe it's time for us to get a car. Now it's like keeping up with our news feed. And so we're, we're not real good at being present and being happy with where we are, where we are, you know, like, when I go up north and visit my dad, it's always about like, oh, how's the business going? What's cash flow doing? This, that, and the other. Oh, if you did this, this, and this, you could be there. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I'm quite happy with where it's at now, to be mm. completely honest. Um, and I'm happy with where my life is. But we do get so future-focused. Future and, and that's where the stress comes, um, which, as I said, it, it contributes to our ill health. And, and I see it in freediving. And this is where freediving is so powerful as a kind of a vehicle is, you know, what I say to people, because there's a buoy on the surface that they can hold on to and they breathe up. And then the first level course is just like, um, you know, 10 metres they have to get to. And, and 10 metres when you're out, it doesn't look that far. Um, and I say to them, look, just look at the line and I'll be on the other side of the line. I want you to focus on that. And for a good hour, they just can't do it. Yeah, as soon as they dip into... As soon as they dip under the water, um, they they instantly look down for where the bottom is. Mm. Yeah, and they they quite often don't even know I'm with them. They're just looking for where they're going instead of just being present with where they are. And then they hit the bottom, and I do this groper call underwater. I'm like trying to get their attention, and I can't get it because as soon as they hit the bottom, they look straight for the top. And they're looking at the surface again. Um, and this is this kind of product of like, never be happy with where you are, always got to be moving forward. Um, and so, you know, like I work with sporting teams, that's a, that's a big part. But, you know, last week I did uh, a public speaking session for Shine Lawyers and people were just coming up to me afterwards going, man, I, there's so much in this. And I did a guided meditation with them as well. And they're like, I have never felt that relaxed in the mm. middle of the day. I felt like, I was going to fall asleep. And I was like, <laughs> that just signals that you need this. Mm. Um, so, the th like, to get back to your question, it's like I work with athletes a lot, um, but just, you know, every day, um, you know, mum and dad's coming to freediving courses, uh, walk away with a lot more than just diving deep into the ocean. I, I go through 
you know, breath work, the breath workshop side of it is the most powerful. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the, the free diving. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the taking people to 10 meters, uh, perhaps like people would love to probably hear a little bit about like what, what it is that you do, the type of free diving, what's involved, like what kind of depths are you got? Like, what is really the context here so they can kind of get a picture of it? Yeah. So the people like, um, I do courses from, you know, uh, the, the basic first it's called free diver and then there's advanced master and then people can go on to instructor. So generally speaking on a, a first level course, um, we're only looking for them to achieve about 10 meters. Some people really take to it and other people just take a little bit longer. What I find works with people that are struggling a little bit because it is a really new environment for them. Um, people aren't um, usually used to holding their breath. Um, uh, but it's quite often it's just like distraction. So distracting the brain away from that fear center that will get them through it. So, you know, in the beginning, the people that are really struggling are generally the ones looking for where they're going, like, where is the bottom? And they're all frantic. And then I just say to them, guys, don't worry about how deep you get, okay? Just relaxation and equalization. So equalize those ears and just let go of the shoulders and relax. Watch me on the other side of the line. Um, and we're just gonna count, okay? So the first one is called free immersion, where you basically pull yourself down the line. <clears throat> and I say, let's just, let's just do seven, okay? But I want you to focus on relaxation. They'll do seven pulls and turn and they fit it and they come up and they go, that felt much better. Like, okay, cool. This time we're gonna do eight and I want you to look at me, drop the shoulders and then just do a couple more. And they're like, and you can see them like counting one. Two, and they get to eight and they look at me and they oh, drop the shoulders. And they do a couple more and then bang, they mm. see the, what's called a bottom plate. And then they look at me like, oh my God, look at that. And I'm like, fancy that, yeah? When you just focus on one thing and don't focus on the depth, um, you can get through it. And physically, humans, uh, we've, we've adapted to, we, we actually in our evolution, they believe we went back to the ocean. Uh, and we, we have this thing called the mammalian dive reflex which we share with other ocean mammals. So whales, dolphins, orcas, seals. Um, so physically we're actually built for this. Mm. Um, if you put a human face in a bucket of water, the heart rate will instantly drop. Mm. It's called bradycardia. So the, the face signals, oh, we're in water. Let's start this mammalian dive reflex. We get blood shift um, away from the extremities into the core to protect our vital organs, mainly the lungs. And then we get um, the spleen effect, which is, um, you know, quite interesting. Spleen is just a blood bank full of red blood cells and oxygen attaches to those red blood cells. When we feel a bit of pressure and we dive a bit deeper, or we spend time, a lot of time in the water, it contracts and we get this fresh hit of oxygen. So sometimes the people that just mentally push through that 10 metres and go a bit further, like quite often they'll get to 20 on their um, first level course. They get down to 20 and they just hang out there. I just love, they get this fresh hit of oxygen from the spleen. And I literally have to kind of go like, hey, Time to let's go. get to 20 to go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's quite, it's quite interesting that we have this. I mean, if we were just built for land, why would we have this kind of diving response? Um, so physically we're, we're set up for it, but it's that mental challenge that, we're, that, that people really can kind of battle with. 
Mm. Um, and sometimes it's just a time thing. It's like the best athletes quite often. It's just, you know, a Federer has just been there more times than, say, a young person, so he's just more adept at it. Um, but for others, it is that kind of distraction and, um, you know, being able to kind of control those sports, um, which everyone gets. You know, we've got a brain that is extremely good at trying to keep us alive. That's what it's designed for. Um, the problem with our 21st century is it doesn't quite... It doesn't quite know what is an actual threat to our life and what isn't. What I say by that is kind of like perceived threat versus mm. real threat. Um, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, the, a real threat was just the tiger. Um, now our brains quite can't, can't quite separate the difference between a real threat to our life and, you know, the boss is riding me, I'm arguing with the, the girlfriend or the wife a lot. Yeah. Um, just those little things. Um, we're we're kind of like, you know, I, I quite often talk about the fact that humans nowadays, we're kind of like a bright, shiny iPhone 8, let's say. If we're up to 8, I don't even know, probably up to 9 or something, I don't know. But um, we know more about health and fitness and, and there's all these medicines and things that keep us alive for longer. And But the brain hasn't quite shifted. It's, it's like we're still running a Nokia 3510 brain, yeah, which was so simple. And, like, if you think back to a Nokia, you, you could make phone calls, you could receive them, you could send text, and you could play snakes. And snakes was almost a mindfulness game. Um, so this brain constantly firing off this we're under threat um, message, which then puts us in that stress zone for things that we're, we're, our life is actually not in danger, but our brain can't separate it. And, mm. and this is the biggest thing. It can't separate real threat from perceived. And so we, we live in this stress zone. Um, so what mindfulness does, and if you do it consistently, is you just get better in your everyday life at, at, at becoming present. Yeah, it's not a matter of just like once a week doing a five-minute guided meditation. It's about training your body mm. to get to that kind of calm state. And you don't do that by, you know, every now and then once a month doing it. What I've found is that the consistency has really helped me, especially at a competition level, um, where you know you're about to do something that that is tough. Um, and you've got five minutes on the surface just to kind of lay there and they count you down. And if you let those kind of thoughts come that kind of stress you out, mm. then it, it potentially is dangerous. Um, so, you know, you know, I focus on my breath. I then go away to sounds, which I do in my everyday meditation as well. So my body and brain just know this. And because I also know what my brain is doing, um, you know, sometimes I'll get a thought like, have I trained hard enough for this, Adam? You know, and in freediving, you've got to be careful how much you eat that morning before. <laughs> um, so it's like, oh, I kind of went overboard on the old oats this morning. You know, all these kind of things. Once again, that brain trying to keep you alive. And so I nicknamed that, I nicknamed that voice Nana. You know, God love our Nanas. We all love our Nanas. Yeah. But they're fairly risk adverse. You know, when you're growing up, it's like, don't run on the concrete, you'll fall over and crack your head open or don't climb that tree, you'll fall out and break your neck. So I kind of nicknamed it Nana. And when I get those thoughts, I just acknowledge it and I, say, I talk to Nana. And I say like, hey, Nana, it's okay. We've got this. 
And then I'll just go back to kind of focusing on the breath or going away to sounds or running through the different muscle groups in the body, telling them to let go. So, yeah, we, we've, all, we've all got that voice in our head in, in everyday life with anything. It's just how we react to it. And, and that's the thing, or whether we respond to it. That's, that's a really important point is that react versus respond. Quite often we just react with this kind of, you know, quite frankly, it's quite often a bit of anxiety um, or whether you respond and just acknowledge that thought. And that's part of meditation as well is, you know, you will sometimes get thoughts and it's just about acknowledging it and just letting it go. Mm. You know, it's like you're driving along and a, you know, a bug hits your windscreen. Um, you just kind of windscreen wipers on, put a bit of water on and wipe it. It's similar with, you know, some of those adverse thoughts you can sometimes have. Mm. And if you consistently do some, some meditation, you just get better at receiving those thoughts and just going, hey, thanks, brain, but, you know, we'll let that go. Yeah, I love that concept of naming it. I think that's super cool, the nano, like, because, you know, we see the same thing with a lot of uh, business owners, people who are, you know, maybe starting out or launching a new project or, you know, writing something, a book or creating something, speaking, going up on stage. Like, it's a similar thing, right? That narrative can jump in before. And I think to call it out and kind of smile at it and kind of blow it a kiss goodbye and say, you know, thank you, but um, I've got this. I'm going to, this is something I want to do. Uh, I think that's really cool. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, you talked about this time on the surface. Just fill us in a little bit. Like, you know, you spoke about this 10 meter mark, people when they're starting out 20 meters, like talk us through for you, you know, obviously there's like this 50, 60, 70 meters, like maybe just a little snapshot in terms of where you go to what's going on with you down there and, and how you kind of, you know, how you manage that, I guess, physically and, and mentally as well. Yeah. So the most important part of a deep dive and, you know, us Australians, we don't have access to a lot of depth. So um, where, you know, I'm in the mid seventies, but there's people going hundred meters and beyond. So for me, the most important thing and what, you know, I gained from my competition experience was, um, the how I was able to control myself the day before, mm. the week before, um, an hour before, and then obviously you get this five minutes where you're kind of bobbing on the surface. That was the most important kind of takeaway from me um, because there's some athletes and some, some ones that are diving a lot deeper than I um, that just couldn't control their, you know, emotional state beforehand. And so I'd see them in training and they're absolute weapon divers. But then um, the nerves and that, you know, that the, the brain going haywire and going, can we really do this, actually got to them. And so they didn't get the result they wanted. So for me, with the dip, diving deep, it was all... Um, it was all just what was going on with me, but most importantly, what was happening beforehand. And what I was most happy with was the moment when I'm, I'm about to dive and dip under the surface, I was super relaxed. There was nothing going on. Um, and then that five minutes before most definitely is commensurate with or, or directly related to how well you dive. So, and I say this to all kind of students that come along to a course, they say the most important part is those minutes before. Mm. 
if you can relax, if you can focus on your breath, if you can get to that state where you're nice and relaxed, your diet will be relaxed. Um, so if for some reason you're not feeling relaxed, just pass up on that particular dive, let another person go. Um, but I spend a lot of time the day before we go out into the ocean just on the simple techniques. Um, and we, we do a pool session as well. And we do static breath hold, which is laying face down in a pool, um, you know, holding your breath. So, and some people, you know, especially that first day, we just talk about, you know, what you can use, what methods you can use. And unfortunately, once you kind of go face down and start these static breath holds, you can no longer focus on your breath. That's gone, right? You're holding it. Um, but it's quite amazing. We, we, you know, some people actually see colours mm. um, when they're doing it. And I say work with the colours and the colours change. Some people see shapes. Some people really like visualisations. So if they're a spear, a spear fisherman or spear fisher person, I should say, um, they visualise breathing up on the surface and then, you know, doing a dark dive and following some fish around on the bottom um, or setting up their boat, whatever it is. You know, the best guy in the world at, at static free diving, at the static um, breath hold, or one of the best anyway, I, I said to him, like, what's your secret? You know, we're talking 11 minutes wow. um, of holding your breath. And um, he's like, oh, Adam, I just tried to go to sleep. And I was like... You so so what do you do for the other like ten minutes? <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I visualize myself um, in my bed mm. asleep, and I'm like, okay. So you use visualization, and I was like, what about when? Because eventually, what happens is you start to get contractions. So your diaphragm actually starts to contract, and it's trying to force you to breathe, and they can be quite uncomfortable. And he's like, ah, oh, yes. Oh, when I get to contractions, I pretend like it's my alarm clock. My alarm clock goes off. But then I snooze it and then I work on letting go of all my muscles again. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but, you know, for quite often students, it's just go through every single muscle group. Yeah. Tell it to relax. You know, you can quite often hear your heartbeat. So focus on that. Tell your heart to kind of slow down. You're not needed. Um, sounds is a bit, a lot of people love sounds. Um, and once you shut off, shut off, other senses it's amazing um the sounds you actually pick up and how many sounds are actually in your environment so yeah and and you know and then when it gets to that tough part i say like come into the wall just hold onto the wall count to 10 seconds and then check in with yourself see how you're feeling if you're not feeling great come up or if you think you've got another five seconds count to five which counting in itself brings you to the front of your brain, which is the mm. prefrontal cortex, which is all kind of logical thinking, problem solving. Um, you know, there's a very famous quote, if you're angry, count to 10. Mm. Uh, if you're really bloody angry, count to 100, because it gets you out of that kind of fight and flight or that aggressive mode and brings you to the front of your brain. So that quite often helps with, with people when they're kind of getting to that struggle phase and look, some people start off the day and they do like a minute. And, you know, quite often I have people go from a minute in the classroom knowing nothing um, to three and a half, four minutes in the pool by the end of the day. So it's really just kind of teaching them or giving them, it's partly teaching them what to do with those thoughts and teaching them methods of distraction and mindfulness. And then the other part is just simple belief that they can do it. 
You know, we go through the mammalian dive reflex. We talk about what's possible in free diving. We talk about that the first urge to breathe is actually a buildup of carbon dioxide. You've got plenty of oxygen left. All of these things, and then all of a sudden, armed with some belief mm. and some ways of overcoming their own thoughts, they just, you know, as I said, I've had people go from a minute to four minutes, which is just astonishing. And then mm. people come away from the course going, man, I'm, I'm actually super powerful and I'm, I'm capable, capable of doing some of these things that I never thought possible. Mm. So that would reflect a pretty similar thing to when you're at, at you know, whether someone's at in the pool, someone's at 10 meters, you know, you're at 60, 70 meters, just similar process coming back to whatever it is that you come back to the body or the, the counting or whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's exactly the same. You go through the same processes. As I said, the, the start is, is um, very, very important, but mm. then on the way down, it's the same thing. So at about just before you get to what's called residual volume. Um, so what I do is I count my kicks um, mm. to begin with. So um, because I want to do what's called this mouthfeel equalization. So to, to dive, um, you, you know, really deep, you've got to be able to do this mouthfeel equalization, which is um, before what's called residual volume, which means your lungs compress to, let's say, the size of your fist or a tennis ball. And once they get to that size, you can no longer access oxygen from the lungs. And this happens, you know, somewhere between 25 and 30 metres for most people. So before that point, we actually rob some air from the lungs and we put it in the mouth. So quite literally just fill your mouth up with air. Hmm. And then so from basically from about 30 metres onwards, you're using this air in your mouth, which also gets compressed, but you're just doing slight movements with the tongue to push the air back and equalise the ears. Um, so in the beginning, I just count my kicks, which is some mindfulness and distraction, um, down to about 20 metres. Then I'll stop kicking and do this mouth fill. So once again, that's a bit of distraction. And then from that point onwards, you're because you have been compressed plus the weight of the ocean above you, it actually pushes you down and you just free fall. You don't have to kick anymore. So you just drop. And this is that going back to my first days of my freediving course, this is really that going within. Mm. Yeah, so I really focus on letting go of all the muscle groups and just focus on the equalisation. Um, I don't wear a mask because I find um, with a mask and when you can see, quite often you're kind of trying to figure out where you are in your dive instead of just shutting down. <clears throat> and I have an alarm on my watch uh, about five metres from the bottom plate. It'll just go, doo -doo. and so I know to kind of reach out, reach for that bottom plate because you've got to grab a tag to prove to the judges that you got there. Um, so really for, for most of that time, I'm just focusing on good equalisation because the best freedivers are the ones that have access to depth constantly, but they're the best equalisers. It's not really um, necessarily about breath hold, although you have to have breath hold. Mm. Um, and then on the way back up, um, it, it's a lot harder on the way back up, obviously because you're further into your breath hold, but now you're really negatively buoyant. So you're mm. like a rock and you've got to kick that weight back up to the surface. So, you know, I'm just focusing on the way back up. I just, I just talk to myself. I just go hips, 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 hips the whole way up, which means I'm using my hips more so than my legs uh, and not burning through too much oxygen. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's a, that's once again that's a bit of mindfulness because I'm just kind of going. I get into a streamlined position, and then I just go hips, 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 and then all of a sudden. Uh, I can feel a positive buoyancy about five meters from the surface. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now it's yeah. time to start thinking about getting some really good breaths in at the surface and doing what's called a surface protocol to the judges. So just heaps of distraction from mine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Um, I'm interested, you know, uh, this, the, you know, we've got on one hand and of course the, the sort of linked infinitely linked, but you've got this concept of mindfulness and meditation, conscious breathing maybe, and we talked about the stress and that, that sort of thing. And then we've got this kind of sort of uh, sport aspect or, or pastime or whatever you call it, like actually, okay, I'm going to go and practice freediving. And to me, something, you know, really resonates with having this, this kind of vehicle that you're also uh, interested in or you can go and do as well. And one feeds off the other and there's this cool, you know, exchange happening. Um, do you see a lot of people really resonate? Like once you get in the water and you've got all this distraction, this actual thing that you're doing versus for example, okay, we're just going to talk about mindfulness and conscious breathing and I'll take you through a meditation. But then, you know, this other side, like how powerful do you see that for people that you work with? Oh, you know, it, it, it's so powerful because it's, um, especially in Australia, I find like we're, we're so sports mad mm. um, that it's, it's very easy to start the conversation um, around, you know, some of this mind. Because meditation, if you just talk to the, you know, just a random person off the street, they're just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, no, I can't do that. Meditation's too hard. Um, whereas when you put it in a kind of a sporting or performance context, which which freediving is a sport, but also a recreation, um, it's just so much easier to get the conversation started. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I find it, it's a great vehicle because, and especially with, with blokes, you know, blokes are brought up to like not really talk about their feelings and, and um, their struggles. Whereas for me in my course, within the first 10 minutes, I'm talking about my struggles and, and how freediving helped that. And, you know, guys and girls, but, you know, they, they, they find it easy to talk about. And then, you know, when they, they get into the ocean, um, they really feel like they just had a serious win when they overcome the fact that they are holding their breath. They're in a a wild place. I mean, humans just go right down the food chain once we, we dive into the ocean. Mm. Um, and they're on they're on one breath and they're being crushed and all these type of things. And then, you know, sometimes, you know, when they first get out there, their five metres is feeling, is not feeling great. And then, you know, some of them, they, they do, they get to 20 metres and they just come away with this euphoric feeling and it's a, it's a powerful feeling. But then, mm. you know, they quite often will also say like, Man, this stuff I stress over in my everyday life—it's just—it's just rubbish, Adam. And I'm like, I get it. <laughs> that this is exactly where I wanted you to get to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll never forget a school teacher. She was just such an overthinker, and I just said, you know, this time what I want you to do is I just—I'm going to come down with you the whole way. I want you to watch my eyes, and when I want you to count. Sorry, at at a certain point, I'm just going to signal to you to let go of your shoulders and just do a few more kicks. And she's like, okay, yep, 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 I can do this. Okay, okay. 
And so we're kicking down together and I'm just saying, watch me, just equalise, we're all good. And then I had a, a, a little beeper set for 15 metres because I knew she wanted to get to 20. One of her friends had got to 20. And anyway, at 15 metres, beep, beep, my watch goes off. And then I just go like this. So I just kind of give her a little signal with my hand and I go like, now's the time to relax. And she's starting to get a little bit negative, buoy negatively buoyant. So by the time she relaxes her shoulders and goes like, oh, yeah, cool, relax my jaw a bit too. And, and she's looking at me. She's kind of sunk to about 17, 18 anyway. And so she's like two metres off the bottom. And then she's still looking at me and I just point. And she just kind of looks and goes like, oh, my God, takes one more kick and she's there. And, you know, we get back to the surface and she was just so happy. She's like, I can't believe I did it. Mm. And I was like, I told you if you just relax, watch the line or watch me, um, that bottom plate will just appear. If you're looking for it from the surface, it's always going to look like a long way away. Mm. So, you know, that's a, it's this, this the powerfulness of, uh, of being present or the ability to be present, um, especially in free diving. I mean, it's it's... You know, I quite often talk about, you know, if you're about to go into a big meeting or you've got something big on at work the next day or you've got to have a conversation with the partner or whatever, you know, those moments beforehand of being able to control control your emotional state and go like, I'm not going to die from this. This is going to be okay, mm. you know, and kind of like I say with, you know, talking to Nana in the head, like we we just have these messages that kind of, tell us that our life's in danger and we'll, we'll stress over something for a week mm. that may not even happen. Yeah. You know, a conversation or something, a deadline or whatever. Um, and, you know, when I do my public speaking sessions, I'll quite often and um, never sit in the front row, obviously, but I'll, I'll pick out someone and I'll just go, hey, what's your name? And they're like, oh, you know, Barry or whatever. Say, Barry, I just gonna I want to I want you to come up onto the stage and just do it like a two-minute little impromptu uh, session about the state of Australian politics. Is that cool, mate? You know, I'll give you a minute. And I walk off and their their face, um, you know, they they quite literally just go into absolute panic and fear. Mm. And their brain is quite literally telling them, like, you may die up there. You're done, yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah. And mine's the same to a certain degree um, when I'm about to go on stage. Um, but, you know, we're adaptive to that, you know. For that hour that you're on stage, you're kind of, you know, your brain's working really well. It's on high alert, all these type of things. But I'm off stage, it passes. Um, but the great thing is, is I don't worry about the session a week before or the day before or even an hour before. Um, because of all the stuff I've done with meditation, I just have the ability to just go, ah, no, that's happening then. You know, what am I going to do right now? I'm going to go for a walk on the beach. You know, whereas, you know, the people I pick out in the crowd, they, they quite literally just have this sense of absolute fear for their life. And, you know, I don't get them to come up. After about 15 seconds, I say, like, hey, you're not doing anything, don't worry. But what yeah. was going on um, is you were actually kind of your, your brain was saying, our life's in danger now is it in da you're in danger of not doing such a great job but you're going you would survive um and so for me it's more all of the stuff that happens beforehand and being able to control that um yeah beautiful man it's such a such a powerful uh 
you know, the whole thing, the, the process that you're taking people through the message, um, the vehicle, you know, the actual experience. So <clears throat> I guess just to kind of wrap it up, like give us a little bit of a context on uh, or background on the pressure project, how long you've been, you know, doing what you're doing and where to next, um, who, you know, who should reach out and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so it's uh, we're probably coming up on two and a half, three years now. Um, and so, you know, what I'm really loving and where I get um, a, a little bit more, I suppose, time with people, uh, the five-day retreats that I run. Um, and, yeah, like Bali, looking at Philippines. We run one down in Mount Gambia in South Australia, which is a fantastic, it's a 70-metre deep sinkhole in the middle of this like farmer's property, which is just incredible. Um, but where, where I get a bit more time um, to kind of really have a full retreat, teach people um, how they can do meditation in a really simple form, but then they also get to have a go at free diving as well. Um, you know, I, I really do love um, working with sporting teams and, and organisations, which is great. The Australian swim team was great. Western Australian cricket team and what I found from that, you know, it was just a sports, just a microcosm of, of, of society as well. And, you know, they're all swimming their race too early or playing the game too early and not being able to sleep, you know, because, you know, you stress all day and then you lay down at the end of the night and you think, oh, now I'll sleep, but the brain has different ideas. It's like, mm -hmm. hang on, we've been on high alert for this threat all day and we've still got to be on high alert so people can't sleep. Um, so, you know, um, the thing is, is everyone's a candidate for this, you know, um, and, and not so long ago, I just was in the, you know, I couldn't deal with stress and I couldn't deal with pressure. And so I suppose for it's, everyone's a candidate because we just want to kind of put a spotlight on the fact that most of the stuff that we stress about or have anxiety about, you know, they're not real threats. You know, can we afford the rent next week or mortgage or whatever? You're still going to survive. You know, we live in, you know, an amazing country. Um, you know, if, if you were living in Afghanistan, then maybe, you know, you wouldn't survive and you would have to be on high alert all the time. But the things that we're on high alert for, um, we really shouldn't be and it's affecting our health. Mm. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I do a bit of coaching as well, just one-on-one -on -one, um, with people. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I've done some work in schools, but we should be, we should be doing this at a young age. We're a little mm. bit reactive in this society, you know. We kind of just like, you know, I just think back to my little fella starting prep and within a couple of weeks there was a chart on the wall with where everyone was in their reading level, mm. you know. And God love him, poor little fella, he was right down the bottom. But he was starting to get anxiety at the age of six in prep about where he was at in his reading level. Mm. And, he, of course, he had no strategy of trying to overcome it. And just, i just come back and, you know, be like, oh, Dad, I'm kind of at the bottom. And I was like, yeah, but, mate, you absolutely kill it in science and all the rest of it. But, you know, it was that, you know, at that age we're already kind of going, you've got to get to here, Yeah. you know. Um, so it's something that we should, I think, should be implemented in schools, and that's one of the goals as well um, with the Pressure Project is to get to people a lot earlier. Um, mental health is obviously a huge thing at the moment, mm. and we're just so reactive, 
you know, and it's just with this reliance on pharmaceuticals to help people as well. It's it's not a it's that's all we've got. And once people are too far gone, that's just their program is is med- is to be medicated. So, you know, it's to kind of get it at that grassroots. I think is is what we need to achieve. Yeah, love it. Cool, man. Well, uh, where do people go to check out your stuff? Like, I for one, going to keep an eye on these upcoming uh, retreats. Where's the spot to go to? Where do they find you? So obviously the website, um, www.thepressureproject.com.au or on Facebook, it's The Pressure Project. Instagram is just Pressure Project itself. Um, So yeah, website or or socials is probably the best place. Um, Or you can email me, um, adam at thepressureproject.com.au. Awesome. Anything else you want to add or touch on? No, all good, mate. Thanks so much for inviting me on. And um, it's great that you're spreading the word. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, man. Access Potential Academy is a gang of passion business owners who are looking to level up and do great work. It's a six-month program. Have a little listen. Here's what some of the people in the program are saying. So my name is Vic, and I own a company called Anatomy Motion based here in Sydney. We're a strength and movement based studio um, who are passionate about educating people um, in quality uh, of movement uh, leading to quality of life. The work that we've done around the, the listening, the empathy, um, even pausing, you know, kind of all these elements, like they're invaluable. Um, and the fact that we get to practice them every day just means we keep getting better and we keep creating better relationships, better connections. Um, I truly believe this is the reason, you know, why our business is thriving because it's something that no one else is doing. If you feel ready to level up in your business, your work, or your broader life, maybe have a think about the Access Potential Academy. Next session starts February 2020. If you're interested, I would love to hear from you. Just check out the website, John tmarsh.com head over to access potential academy